Father, thank you that you did wake us up today, Lord Jesus. Father, thank you that you have chosen to give us life, Lord God. And Father, thank you. With you in this day, Lord God, Father, the impossible can be the possible, Lord Jesus. And Father, we just want to say thank you for being so good to us, Lord God. And Father, I know sometimes we, it's easy to see the things we don't have, Lord God, and I understand that, God. But Father, keep our eyes on the things we do have, Lord Jesus. How you have blessed us in the countless small things, God, some of the big things, Lord Jesus. Even being here this morning, Lord God, to be able to praise you, and worship you with our brothers and sisters together, God, to sit and hear your word today, to grow, to be changed, God, to see you, God, and maybe in a different way, in a fuller way, Lord God, to be with our brothers and sisters, that we could be a blessing to God, whether we shake a hand with somebody, God, or pray for somebody, or, or even wave a good morning, Lord God. It means so much to so many, Lord Jesus. So, Father, I thank you today, God, that by your word, God, that we see you clearly, God. We understand you a little bit better, Lord God. That, Father, I thank you for the revelation further of who you are, Lord God. So, Lord, I thank you that you have anointed this word, God. Uh, as we always pray, God, get me behind the cross, God. Uh, let you be seen today. Let you be heard today. Let you be known today, Lord God. And that's our desire, God. And I pray that by your word, God, you will touch every single heart here today, God, and make us different than when we first walked in, God. Father, thank you for the absolute blessing to be able to be with you, God, and with your people in this day and in this church, in Jesus' name. And all who agree with that prayer said, amen, amen. Ever get those situations where you read the word of God, and you know the word of God, and you know some of the concepts of God, but every once in a while, poof, it goes off in your head, where you really just kind of get that in your heart, uh, and, and you got to go like, Wow. When those truths come upon you, like we know a lot of the truths about God, a lot of the different things, but sometimes a revelation comes upon you. You could be reading that for the, for the hundredth time, and all of a sudden, wow, I got it, Lord God. And it changes us and becomes so much a part of, of who we are. Uh, and that has happened, and I want to share that with you. So I've entitled my message today, Wow, Wow. God, your truth is so amazing. Turn to Ezekiel chapter 37. We'll have it up on the board. Let's start here in Ezekiel chapter 37. He says something so amazing in that beautiful story of the dry bones. Remember that story of the dry bones? Ezekiel comes to a field and there's a lot of dry bones and he speaks to the bones and they start to come alive. The muscles and sinews grow on the bones. We know that story. But let's take it a step further. In Ezekiel chapter 37, right in verse 9, the word of God says this. As Ezekiel speaks, he says, And he also said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Excuse me, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, and thus say the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. And Ezekiel said, so I prophesied that he commanded me, and, and breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood on their feet, an exceeding great army. And I love that. I love the picture. Imagine that. Imagine these bodies rising, and bones came to bone, and muscles and sinews, but they weren't alive yet. They were just there. They were just kind of existing but until the breath of God came into them, until the breath of the Holy Spirit came into them, then the word of God says, they came alive, praise God. They came alive into a great, exceeding army, praise God. And that's what God does. Now, this is an Old Testament scripture speaking about uh, uh, ancient Israel, but also about spiritual Israel as well. 
that when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, there's a life that comes inside of us. We're not just left by ourselves to get through this life the best we can and to try to work things out and do this. No, God has given us something so amazing. And right before that, in Ezekiel chapter 36, the next page, if you can go to the left a little bit, in Ezekiel chapter 36, right before this miracle with these dry bones and with the breath that came into them and that they lived, Jesus gave us, excuse me, the word of God gave us a, 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 a new covenant promise of something amazing that he was going to do that was going to change everything. And in Ezekiel chapter 36, right in verse 26, the word of God speaking says, this is amazing. I will give you a new heart and I will put a, a new spirit within you and I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. And then you shall dwell in the land that I give your fathers and you will be my people and I will be your God. Look at that promise. I'm going to put a new spirit in you. There's going to come a day I'm going to put a new heart in you. I'm going to change things. It's not just going to be you alone. It's not just going to be you trying to make things matter and trying to do this. I'm going to help you. I'm going to put something in you. I'm going to take out that old rusty old heart of yours. And I'm going to give you a new heart that reflects my nature. I'm going to give you a new heart that reflects who I am. And I'm going to make everything different. You're not going to ever be alone again because I'm going to put my heart in you, praise God. And that's amazing. That's amazing to think that, that the God of this universe who made the worlds, I mean, think of it, who made the galaxies, who made this earth, who made everything, loves us so much to, to tell you and I, I'm going to put my heart in you. I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to put my spirit in you. And what that means is, is just what we're going to talk about. See, today, there's a, I want to speak about a, a progressive revelation of, of where God dwells. Where does he live? Where, do, where does he dwell? You know, we know in that Old Testament, he, he walked and talked with Adam and Eve in a garden. Uh, Noah heard his voice. Abraham heard his voice. Joshua, all those Old Testament. God came, excuse me, the Holy Spirit came upon uh, Samson uh, when he had to do all these things and came upon Joseph uh, when he had to uh, fulfill the walk that God had for him. They, they did it with the help of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon them or was with them or this and that. And, and people heard his voice, but he didn't live there. He didn't live with them yet. He, he came upon them and was there, but he didn't live there. And I remember so many times I read about that he was on that mountaintop, uh, Mount Sinai with, uh, I think it was Mount Sinai, excuse me, with Moses. And he was on that mountaintop and, and the earth quaked and the storms were there and only Moses can go up and no one else could even touch that mountain. Word of God says, even if the animals went to the bottom of the mountain, they'd be burned up so no one could go to God because he was up there. He was up there. Wow, imagine, imagine seeing that. Uh, he was up there. Imagine seeing the, the storms and the lightning. Uh, uh, yesterday, uh, my family and I, we went to the Pocono Greater Air Show, uh, and it was amazing. And we saw the Thunderbirds uh, and these jets that came over us. I am telling you this. My body has never been more shaken by the sound of those engines. I thought my teeth fell out. I thought that my ears were going to bleed. It was so loud and full, but nothing compared to the majesty of the Lord. Nothing compared to the greatness and wonder of the Lord, praise God. And that so struck me, praise God. See, but he didn't, he didn't live with them. He was there and, and he came and went, but he didn't live with them until something happened. I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 25. Let's go there. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> the book of Exodus chapter 25. Things were about to change now. God was just not going to be 
over there or just come upon, he made a decision to do something. And in Exodus chapter 25, right in verse 8, now this is the Lord speaking uh, to Moses, and he says something so amazing. Now he says in verse 8, he says, Exodus 25, verse 8, he says, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Wow. Let them make a sanctuary now, a place where I may dwell among them. In other words, he's saying, I'm not just going to come and go and be with you when you need me to strengthen you to do certain things I ask you to do. Now I'm going to dwell with you. I'm going to be with you. And we're speaking about his presence in the ark at the time. And, and he designed a tabernacle of Moses, they call it, for the Lord to, quote, live there in, in, in the ark. Now this, this dwelling place, what the place God says, I'm going to meet with you there. I'm going to speak with you there. Okay. And it was designed by God. He gave Moses strict detail about what to do, what to put in it, what to build around it, street detail, all the materials and furnishings that were in this little tabernacle. Basically, it was a tent. But you had to go there to be with God. Moses went there. Joshua went in there. They had to go there to be with God. It had an outer court. It had a holy place and most holy place. Um, and it really had, to look at it, it really had no outward beauty. It looked like just an old hut. I mean, it was a wood frame with badger skins on it and ram skins on it. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant uh, was in there. A few of the items that the Lord had in there. Uh, but it really didn't look like anything. There was really no outward beauty. And when I had that and read that, I would be reminded of Jesus Christ, that, that there was no outward beauty there. But he was holy and he was beautiful, even though he didn't look like much, especially after being beaten. But there was such a precious holiness there. There was such a precious love there. And that time, God decided to dwell in that ark in the tabernacle of Moses. And we read the story where Moses went there, the glory of God fell, uh, Joshua stayed there when, when Moses left. It was a beautiful thing, but that was a place where, where God dwelt. And I think for about, if I'm not, if I'm not uh, correct about, it stayed that way for about 480 years that, that God dwelt in that tabernacle. But now things were about to change because it was a progressive revelation of now where God dwells. And so what happened now is there was something called uh, the Tabernacle of David. And what that was was a tent that, that God put on David's heart to establish where to put the ark. Remember they, they put the ark. The ark was captured by the Philistines uh, in, a, in a terrible, terrible loss by Israel. They recaptured that ark back and David had it now. Uh, they won the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was held by the Jebusites. David won the battle and now they own Jerusalem. So he wanted to bring the ark now into a place in Jerusalem. And so he, what they call, he built literally a tent. It was really a tent that they put the, the ark of God. And they call that the tabernacle of David. Do you remember that story when uh, the ark was coming in? They carried it wrongly. They carried it on a cart. It was going to fall off. And remember Uzzah put his hands up to stabilize the ark. And, and he died. Well, God is serious about what he says. Because they were carrying that ark wrongly. So they had to do it all over again and carry the ark in the right place into the city. So here they come now, they own Jerusalem, they won it from the Jebusites, and, and here comes David now, and they have a great procession bringing the presence of God, that ark, into the city of David now. In, excuse me, in, not the city of David, but into Jerusalem. And here comes that ark, and it was such an amazing day, there was such a procession. There were musicians and singers, well ordered by God. When you read about this, there's such a divine order of God. But it was such a glorious, happy day that the singers were singing and people were dancing. There was music and guitars and timbrels and drums and beautiful. And that's the story when David danced. He just danced and brought that ark. There was such joy in that place. All except for one person. It happened to be David's wife, Michael. 
who looked through the window at this whole thing and said, what's that guy doing? What's that guy? He's dancing like a fool. What's he doing, this guy? Unfortunately, she was on the wrong side of the window. See, we got to make sure that we're not on the wrong side of the window. we got to make sure that we're where God has us. We've got to make sure that where we need to be is where God plants us, where God has us, praise God. And there's way too many Christians on the wrong side of the window who don't see the reality of the joy, the peace, the beautiful things that God is doing, even especially in our church. Don't be on the wrong side of the window. Be on the right. Start dancing with David, praise God. Amen? Remember that song, I Could Dance Like David Did? Do you remember that? Do you remember that song? We've got to do that sometime. But it's such a good song. But here's David dancing. Why? Because now the presence of God is coming where the people are. In this literal tent that they set up for this ark, here comes the presence of God. And any time you experience the presence of God, there's got to be a joy. Something's got to change. When you experience the true presence of God, there's got to be something that is different in us. There's got to be something that God holds us to. That There's got to be some kind of peace or joy or realization. Where this is God's presence in my heart, in this place, in this church, wherever he allows it to be. And it was just dancing and joy and just absolutely beautiful things, praise God. That tabernacle of David, it makes reference in Acts 15, 16, Isaiah 16, 5, and Amos 9, 11. All refer to the tabernacle of David. See, but God just wasn't staying there. There was several hundred years where he was in that, that tabernacle of, of David, but something else was now about to happen. One day, King David says, I don't want, uh, I don't want uh, God to be in his tent. I'm going to build a temple for him with, with stones and wood. And I'm going to build a temple for him. And David had that idea, but God wasn't going to let him do that because David was a man of war. So God gave David the plans and materials for the temple, but his son Solomon was now going to build it. He was going to build it. And here comes the temple of Solomon. David's idea, planned by God, built by Solomon, because flesh could not produce what is holy. It was all God's idea. And he was so precise how he chose the materials and the decoration for the temple and what would be in there. It was all designed by God because God had such a beautiful idea of where, again, the ark was going to come and, and his presence would have come. They cut stones and they, they, they brought stones from the quarry. And it's amazing, and most of you know the story. When they built the temple, there was not a sound. Not a sound. No chiseling, no banging, no yelling. Everything fits so perfectly together because all the work was done at the quarry. <clears throat> the quarry, you could hear the saw, you know, going, the, the chisels, the hammer, bing, bing, the foreman yelling, hey, you guys, get going over there. And it was all the, all the, and what they were doing, they were chiseling all the stones so they fit perfectly when they brought it to the temple. Because this was going to place, this is going to be the place where the presence of God would be in, in that ark. They brought the ark in there. And here comes now, all this noise, and imagine this, all these stones, all the sawed wood that was measured perfectly, I don't know how they did it back then, they now come to the temple site, and they start to put it together with no sound. One stone here, one stone here, put this beam here, hang this here, because all the work was done over there. See, why do you think God sends us to certain places? And I can only speak about our church. Because I think for the longest time, you've been in that quarry. God's been shaping you. He's been chiseling you. Uncomfortable? Yes! Of course! That's where all the yelling is at the, at the quarry. Ow, God! Oh, God! Not, oh, God! Ow, e, ow, ooh, oh, God! And we do, he does all that chiseling and stuff. But he's preparing you. Come on, God. He's preparing you to be placed 
in a certain place to fit perfectly. You think you're here by accident? Oh, come on now. God chose you. God called you. God placed you. That's why we have to value that. We have to value where God calls us, value where God has us. Don't, don't take it for granted. Don't, 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 please, don't be a church hopper. Get a place. This is your place, let it be this. There's another church, let it be that. But don't be a church hopper. Why? Because God chiseled you for a certain cause, a certain place. He prepared your heart. That's why sometimes you went through some of those things, or sometimes you're still going through some of those things. Why? He's still kind of chiseling sometimes. Why? He's preparing you to, be, to fit perfectly where he has for you, to use you, to be part of that body, part of that temple, part of that place where God resides. He loves you. Don't, 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 don't fret the chiseling and, and, and the hammering. It's all for good. Even as we spoke today, it's all for good. He's working out good. Trust him. Trust him. When you don't see what he's doing, trust him. When you don't understand what he's doing, trust him. When it hurts what he's doing, trust him. He's working things out. Sometimes through the chiseling, yes. Sometimes through the fire, yes. But he's fitting you perfectly. That living stone, Jesus being the chief cornerstone, that foundation. He's building your life on the foundation of who he is. That's how come you can survive with Jesus 5. Why? You're built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. You're built on the foundation of faith, his word, praise God. That's why you could stand in the storm, praise God. Why? You've got a sure foundation. And his name is Jesus Christ, praise God. So let him chisel away, let him chop away, let him do what he's got to do. Why? It's all good. It's all good. He's putting you in the spot where he needs you, praise God. And don't worry about it, amen? When they built that temple, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it took them about 13 years to build. And from my numbers here, there was over 150,000 non-Jews who were working on it, uh, 30,000 Israelis working on it, all working together. Wow. And here's the, the temple of the Lord. And that's where they went to pray. And when we read in the New Testament, that's where they went to pray. That's uh, where the presence of God was. Until something happened that really, really, really changed everything. God was going to dwell with his people. But no longer was it going to be a place. Now it was going to be a person. Hallelujah. It was going to be a person. Going from a place to a person. I wonder who that person could be. Anybody have any idea who that person could be? Going from a place to a person. John chapter 1 verse 14 said the word became flesh. And it shone the glory of God. John 10 verse 30 says, Jesus said, I and my father are one. My father is in me and I in him. Real fast, turn to Colossians chapter 2. Oh, Colossians chapter 2, right in verse 9. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. Speak about where God dwells. The fullness of God was in Jesus Christ. And in, in, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, the word of God says, For in him, speaking of Jesus, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who was ahead of all principality and power. He's a fullness of God. What, a word, what did Jesus say to his apostles? If you see me, you see the Father. He was one, praise God. That's where the goodness and fullness of God dwelt, in Jesus Christ. He was the embodiment of who the Father was, of who God was. It was him, praise God. That's where God dwelt, in, 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 the, in the character and nature of Jesus Christ, praise God. I love that. My Father won. 
I believe in all my heart in Hebrews 12, verse 2, the word of God says, and you know this, it was a joy that was set before him when he endured the cross. And again, I'm paraphrasing. There was a joy that was sent before him when he endured the cross. Listen, we love the cross. We pray for that cross. But God has a life after the cross. Listen, thank God for that cross of forgiveness, redemption, salvation. He paid the debt. But after we got saved and accepted the atonement of Christ on the cross, after we got saved, God didn't take us out of this world. We're still here. We're, we're still here. If God just really wanted to save us, he would save us. We'd, we'd say that sinner's prayer and, and come in our life, and boom, we go home. He didn't do that. That means there's a life after the acceptance of the cross. There's a life we live in Jesus Christ. There's a purpose why we are still here, praise God. And I believe with all my heart, part of that joy that was set before him was this, that when Jesus was on this earth, he could be in one place at one time. He was in Israel. He was in Bethsaida. He was in uh, the, the Sea of Gennesaret. He was there. But now, through the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit, he's in all of us, praise God, around the world. He's in you. He's in you. He's in you. He's in you. And it's amazing to know that, praise God. The indwelling Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit changes everything. And that's got to hit us. We've got to understand that. And we've got to accept that truly for what it is. That, that crucified life that we lead now. After salvation, how do we live that? One of my favorite verses is Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And we're going to have it up on the screen. And it's so true. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. This is how we live. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. Now we're talking about life after the cross. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. But Christ lives where? Can everybody say, in me? Say it one more time, in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, this body, I live by faith in the Son of God, oh, I love this, who loved me and gave himself for me. There's a life that we live. It's not about our flesh, not about our will. It's a life of God in us that directs our life, that promotes our life, that empowers our life, that enables our life. We can't do it on our own. You ever, ever try to be strong enough and, and, and do stuff just on your own without the help of God? We, we, we can't do that. I don't know about you, but I can't do that. I've, I've tried most of my life to do that, but we can't do that. Jesus, that, that chief cornerstone. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you, my Lord God. Jesus is, is in you by the indwelling Holy Spirit. Now listen, we don't become Jesus. Right? Don't, don't get me wrong. We don't become Jesus. We don't walk on water. But we have that character and nature of Jesus in us. We have his strength, his power in us. You're not just left alone to go live this life the best way you can. There's something that we've had. We've got the blood on our side. You've got the Holy Spirit here. Dwelling in us, working in us, changing us, regenerating us, growing us, praise God. Bringing us to, to hard situations. But see, the Lord is so good. He, he, in that progressive revelation of the dwelling places of Christ, from Christ, now where does he dwell? In here. Inside you, inside me. For those who believe, for those who are born again believers. He dwells here. He's no longer on that mountaintop. He's no longer in the cloud, the pillar of fire. He's no longer in the tabernacle of Moses, the tabernacle of David, the temple of Solomon. He's here. He's inside you. 
is inside me. We can't negate that. And we can't live without realizing the power and absolute wonder of that. That is truly life-changing. When you let that sink in, when we let the Holy Spirit reveal that to us, we don't have to travel around the world. He's here. I know what's so amazing as I get older, I realize this, no matter what shape your body's in, he's still there, praise God. You could be a young guy, you could be an old guy, old lady, you could do that. You could be sick, you could be in a hospital bed. He's still inside you, praise God, amen? That's why you're never alone, even if you're in that hospital bed or three o'clock in the morning when no one's around. He's with you. He'll never forsake you, never leave you while he's with you, no matter what shape this old raggedy body may be in. And we're all in different shapes of the body, aren't we? Some of us are in good shape, some of us are in not good shape, some of us are young, some of us are old. Some of us are Italian, but that's okay. We'll give a pass on that one. But that's where God is inside of us, working and willing his way, trusting us. Second Corinthians speaks about this treasure in earthen vessels. Wow. You got something the world doesn't have. You got something the unsaved doesn't have. We sang that song, with Jesus, I can make it. Absolutely. Whatever, what faces you today? What horrendous things face you today? Which things face you today no one knows except you? And we put on that Christian face and we smile and we look good. But underneath, we're in such pain. Underneath, we're in such fear. Underneath, we got those angers bubbling up that we're trying to control. All those situations. And God knows every one of them, praise God. And he's with us to help us through every one of those situations. See, the Holy Spirit in us can accomplish what sometimes is humanly impossible. Oh, impossible. That's why don't be so frustrated with yourself and sometimes with people. Ever, ever, ever just want to stop doing something that you know you should not be doing? And then you try, you're good for a couple of days a week, and then you fall right back into it. And we get frustrated with other people. Don't do that no more. Just, just say no. Stop doing that. Oh, you should be this. You should be doing this. And, and then we get disappointed in other people because they don't do what we think that they should be doing. You should be stronger. You should be this or that. No. Not unless we have the strength and wisdom and help of the Holy Spirit to be able to do it. Because our flesh is weak. We're frail. But through the power of the Holy Ghost, yes, we can. Ever, ever just wake up and you go on those Monday morning diets? Oh, come on, we've all been there Monday morning. I'm not eating that lemon meringue pie that's left over in the refrigerator. I am not eating that. No way. An hour later, after you wipe the lemon meringue from your face, I'm not eating another piece of that lemon meringue pie. I'm strong enough. I'm going jogging. I'm going jogging. After after about 20, 20 feet, the jog turns into a walk. And after about 30 more feet, the jog turns into, I'm going home. We got to do something else. I'll get an operation. I can't do this. And we try to do things on our own strength. And that's why sometimes we fail. We fail. But you don't realize, wait a minute, I've got something in me. I've got somebody in me, God, that gives me a nature and character of my, my Lord Christ. Through him, the things he puts before me, yes, I can do. The things God has for me, the things that he wills for me. Yes, I can do. Why? It's not me. We just read it. But this life I now live, I live in Christ. This life, this life I now live, it's not just me anymore. And sometimes we, we, we get saved and we still think it's just us. And we got to buck up. We got we to be tough. 
We got to get through. We got to be strong for everybody. We got to do this and do that. And all the while, the Holy Spirit inside of us says, no, no, use me. Trust me. Let me help you. Let me be your strength. Let me be your wisdom. Let me be your hope. Let me be your faith. Trust me. Because the Holy Spirit is deep within us. The Holy Spirit helps us accomplish what flesh could not do. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4 says, We're partakers of his divine nature. Wow. Wow. Partakers of his divine nature. <clears throat> What's that nature of Christ? Goodness. Faith. Hope. His character and nature in every situation that we face. That's what you have inside you. You, 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 you got to go a hard way to fail. I'm telling you this. You got you to you really fight to fail. Because that Holy Spirit cries in you all the time as far as keeping us straight, keeping us right, keeping us holy, keeping us in the, that divine nature of God. First, uh, First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says, Your body is the temple. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's where he lives now. Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 6.16, you are the temple of the living God. Wow. Wow. When that burst my heart, the only thing I could say to God was, wow. And I don't want to disrespect my Holy Father, but wow, God. That that's become more real in me over these last few weeks and few months. That my body, I am the temple of the living God. And the first reaction is going to be, no way, man. No, no way. No way. Is this body a temple of the living God? Oh, yeah. Heart-wise, yes, it is. You don't become a robot, but he's here to show forth his character in you, his nature in you, to be there for you, to, to help you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22 says, we are the habitation of God where Christ dwells. Wow. Let that sink in. You can't be the same. You can't just walk out the same when the revelation of this really starts to hit our heart. But what's so amazing, what really bursts forth in me is that when that Holy Spirit dwells inside of us, excuse me, when that Holy Spirit dwells inside of us, there's, and Jesus speaks about it, there's a living water now that comes into our heart. There's a powerful living water. Remember that, uh, uh, the encounter Jesus had with the woman at the well? Remember that? He says, give me a drink. It was a hot day. Sauce by the well. He tells this woman who's coming to draw water. Uh, give me a drink. Turn there. John chapter 4. Uh, just turn there. In John chapter 4. <clears throat> this woman asked Jesus for a drink. And he starts speaking to her about something so amazing about living water. Look at verse 10. John chapter 4 verse 10. The word of God says, if you knew the gift of God, Jesus speaks, and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Wow, let's explain what that is. In verse 11, the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, not, not really catching it yet, and the well is deep. But look at this profound question in verse 11, John 4. Where then do you get that living water? Oh, oh boy, is God setting her up. Where do you get this living water? I want it. I want that refreshment, that nourishment of God. I want that sustaining power of God. That, that river that flows. I, I want that. I want that. And Jesus said in verse 13, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. Speaking of natural water. But I love verse 14. 
But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him, where? Everybody say in him. In him, a fountain of springing, a fountain of water springing up internal life. You don't have to dig it out. It's springing up. It can't help but to come up, praise God. Why? Because there's a living water flowing inside you in the person of the Holy Spirit of God that nourishes you, refreshing you, sustains you, is there with you, that carries you, praise God, throughout our whole life. And I love that, that living water. Jesus said in John chapter 7, verse 38, he who believes in me, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. Listen to me, my people. That living water in the presence of the indwelling Holy Ghost that satisfies you. Oh, come on now. That satisfies your longing, your thirst, your desire. It satisfies your heart, praise God. What are you looking for? What are you looking for inside your heart? What's going to make the the day change for you? What's going to put that smile on your face? What's going to make you get through? I'm going to tell you something. It's that living water that satisfies, that nourishes, that sustains you, that refreshes you, praise God, that revives you in the person of the reality of the indwelling Holy Spirit. It's not going to come from outside in. So many people are looking to be be satisfied from things outside coming in. Well, if I do this, well, if I have this person, well, if I go here, no, that's not how it happens. I used to be there. I used to think, well, the next job I get will be the the next person I'm with, the next this and next that. No, it's right here. Listen, it's right here for you and you and you. It's right here, that, that refreshing, sustaining, nourishing, living water of Jesus Christ inside you. Now listen, I'm not saying you've got to be happy and joyous every single second of the day. Oh, I'm doing good. i got the living water in me, and you're going through hell. No. We go through horrendous situations. But even in those horrendous situations, there's a resolve inside you. There's a peace inside you. You may be going through hell, but there's a peace inside you. There's a resolve inside you that I'm not alone. There's something in you in the worst, the darkest night of your soul that there's something in you that cries out, I'm with you. And it's going to be okay. Follow me through. Follow me through. And just hold on to him. He'll lead you through. I know it's hard. I know it's impossible. But that river, get in that river. And let the current take you through. Get in that river of life. Get in that canoe, that boat, whatever you need to do. And just hold on to Christ. Hold on to reality that I've got the indwelling Holy Spirit. He's not going to let me go, praise God. And I'm going to continue to go. It's like that story I told a long time ago. And please forgive me for being repetitive. Is he sometimes when you're a Christian, it's like rowing upstream. All the world is going one way, and now you're a Christian. Now you're going the other way, and you're in your little tiny canoe, and you're paddling, and you've you got a new, <clears throat> new heart on life, and you're going through, and all the world is coming against you. All your friends are coming at you and say, what are you doing rowing the wrong way? What's the matter with you? All the conditions of life are coming at you. What are you doing? Turn it, get back to what you're doing. Get back to your old life, and there's something in you that, no, I'm paddling through. I'm, I'm, I'm paddling through, and yet it's hard. And there's sometimes where things just hit you, maybe a, a boulder hits you, and you kind of get off, and, and you kind of grab onto the weeds next door, and, and you hold on, and you're tired. <sighs> I'm tired of rowing, Lord. I'm tired. It ain't working, God. I'm tired of paddling, God. It doesn't seem to be working, God. 
And all of a sudden, that Holy Spirit inside, <clears throat> that endurance says, you can do it. I'm with you. So you get your harp in, and, and you get back in the canoe, and you start rowing again. Start paddling again. And you're going upstream, and all the stuff is hitting you. All your failures now come to hit you. You failed here. You failed here. You should have knew better here. You should have did this. Bah, bah, bah. And all of a sudden, you get so discouraged, you pull off again and hold on to those weeds. Lord, can't get rid of my past. Can't get rid of my failures, God. Can't get rid of my sin, God. It's all coming at me, Lord God. And I, I don't have the strength to row against it. And one more time, we hear a word from God. Get back in that water. <clears throat> You're not going to drown. Get back in that water. And we get encouraged and we start rowing again. And all of a sudden, one last time, <clears throat> we're rowing, <clears throat> paddling, excuse me. We're paddling and all hell's breaking loose. And everything that we hope would not happen is happening. And it's all coming against us and we feel like giving up. But all of a sudden, we're paddling and we feel a little push. Mm. And all of a sudden, we're paddling, but we're getting further than our normal paddling. <clears throat> and we're going right through the stuff and, and, and we're paddling, but we're going kind of fast for what we're paddling. And all of a sudden, we look around in the back seat, there's a Holy Spirit with a motor going, I got this covered, it'll be all right. And we go straight forth, praise God. That's how he helps us. He's there with us, praise God. We're not alone to do what the things God asks us to do. We're not alone. We have that indwelling Holy Ghost that so fills us, so fills us. Let me ask you. <clears throat> Isaiah 58, 11 says, you shall be a watered garden springing up whose waters will never fail. That's you, that's me. A watered garden whose waters will, will never fail because Christ is our source. My people, what does that living water do? <clears throat> that living water regenerates, guides us, <clears throat> empowers us, comforts us, sanctifies us, reveals Christ to us. Oh, yes, that yearning for the things of God. That's one of the first things that the Holy Spirit does, to yearn and desire the things of God, to know him more, to serve him more, to be with him more, to understand him more, praise God. When that living water fills us in that indwelling Holy Ghost, there's fruit that he gives us to our lives. There's gifts that he gives us <clears throat> to operate and walk in this life. He fills us and helps us. And yes, we can. Heather, you can come up, please. And yes, we can through the power of the Holy Ghost. What do you mean, yes, we can? <clears throat> because when we have Christ as our source, listen to me, my people, the things that we could not normally do in our own strength we can now find ourselves doing things like this. And by no means is this lift all inclusive, but with that indwelling Christ, that indwelling Holy spirit, that living water that flows through us, Jesus Christ, the source with that living water inside us. Yes, you can forgive. Listen to me. Yes, you can forgive. Yes, you can love again. Yes, you can, in Jesus' name. Yes, you can get through that dark night of the soul where it feels like all the world is crushing in on you. Yes, you can, through his strength. Yes, you can have hope again for those who <clears throat> have become hopeless over time. Yes, you can. You don't have to sin. You don't have to fall prey to that anymore. You don't have to. You don't have to let your anger take you over. You don't have to be mad all the time. You don't have to be upset all the time. You don't have to be fearful all the time and, and worry all the time and be scared of, of what might happen or what might not happen. 
or, or be so concerned about a loved one that, that you get so scared and nervous and, and upset. You don't have to. Why? There's a living water inside you that gives you peace and strength and knowing that things are in God's hands, praise God. That living water inside you can help you stand in every victory. Every battle that you face. God never made any provision for defeat. Not one defeat. And that includes the battle you may be going through right now. Not one defeat. That indwelling Holy Ghost, that living water, can help our faith to believe God. You don't have to have doubt and unbelief. And that affects more Christians than we care to think. Doubt and unbelief. Is God going to come through? Can I really believe his word based on what I see and what I feel? God never asks us to go by what we see or by what we feel. He asks us to have faith in him. Have faith. What helps our faith is that living water inside of us. That living water that refreshes and revives and helps us to believe God. That living water that that heals our hearts. That heals us. That living water that causes us to desire Christ and want him more than ever before. That living water that causes us to worship him. Be a worshiper. Worship him. I love to worship God. I thank God he gave me the ability to play guitar and and I do at night. I go on my porch last night, put my candles on and and just worshiped him. Now you're not being a musician, you don't have to be. You can worship him alone or put music on, just worship him. That's who you are. Worship is not just something that we do, it's something that we are. Be a worshiper. Worshipman, why? That 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 inner strength helps us. That living water helps us to, to fight our battles. <clears throat> to fight where God says we need to fight. Not to be afraid. Yes, yes, we can witness with the gospel. Yes, we can. With boldness. Why? I got that liver of living water inside of me that's springing up and I can't turn it off. And that'll cause you to share God's word however he desires you to do so, praise God. Yes, you can have a good marriage. Yes, you can. If you just follow him through and obey him and do what he says to do, you can pray. Even as Ray was speaking about it, even when you don't feel like it, why? You got a river of living water inside you. You can be free from your past. Why? Christ makes all things new. He makes all things new. All things new. He gives you that new life. And yes, you could love again. You could love those around you. You could love the unlovable because it's not your strength and power. The love that you receive from the Lord through that indwelling Holy Ghost, that's the love you give out. It's not a human love. It's not an emotional love. It's the love of the power of God that you give out to people. And you know there are so many people around you that need to know and experience the love of God. That's what changes people. That's what changed me. I knew a lot about God, but when I experienced his love that made me hold my, my belly in a fetal position and cry in a church that I went to, when I experienced that kind of love, it changed everything. Change everything. How can we do that? Well, it's easy. First John 4, 4. He who is in you. You know the scripture. He who is in you. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Come on, praise God for that. Amen. Just praise God for that. He that is in you. Greater is he that is in you than in the world. You know what that means? You win. (laughs) You win. That you make it. That you walk in victory. God's not going to leave you behind. There's no provision for defeat in the things of God. 
greater is he that is in you. And I'm going to close with this <clears throat> wow story, brief, brief story. Uh, for years, I worked uh, for the county here uh, as crisis supervisor from Monroe County uh, Crisis Supervisor Crisis Unit. Uh, and I was called in on many crises. People want to kill themselves and domestic violence and many things like that. Uh, and hear a lot of stories about abuse and heart situations and things like that. Uh, <clears throat> and in that vein, there was a, a boy uh, who was born to a family, a very abusive family, drug addicted, violent, uh, history of incarceration. Uh, boy was born into this family and the boy was abused. He was emotionally abused. He was physically abused. He was beat up and burnt with cigarettes. It was just terrible. Uh, the courts got a hold of it. Uh, they took the boy out of the home. <clears throat> and the family, the, especially the father, was absolutely mean and honorary and just terrible. No one could really deal with him. So the courts took the young boy out of the house and placed him in foster placement. And he was there for a while until he was adopted. But even while the boy was in foster placement, the father somehow found out where the boy was and he would taunt the boy. He says, who do you think you are? You're still part of our family. I'm still your father. No matter what's going to go on, you're still part of our family. And the boy would try to resist that. They had to get a protection from abuse, a thing against the father, stop him from contacting, because it affected the boy. Until one day the boy was adopted. He was adopted by a, a really, really good family, a good father and mother who really loved him and took care of him. But yet somehow this father found out the family who adopted the boy he i think he hired a detective he found out where the boy was and he came and he taunted the boy who do you think you are i'm still your father you're still in my family you're still you still got my bloody you're still mine you're still mine and the boy grew up with a faith to realize that he confronts his dad that i'm not yours anymore you're not my father anymore you're not my family i've got a new father i've been adopted into a good family praise god and he fought back and it so was a picture of us that we were in that old demonic family we were born into that garbage where the devil was our father we would do all these things until and he was abusive and we lived that 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 worldly life until 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 we got adopted praise god we got adopted but we got a new father we got a new family we got a new bloodline praise god no matter how the devil taunts you're still mine no i am not i've got a new family a new father praise god and i got a new bloodline amen and i am free praise god I am free. That's who we are. That's what we got inside of us. Don't let anything change that. Know that in here. Know who you are. Know who's inside you. That power of the Holy Ghost. That living water that wells up inside of us. That makes all the difference in the world. And I want to pray right now that you know that. That something I said today makes a difference. That you walk out with such a revelation of this is where God dwells. And it's not just in my head. I got it in my heart. So watch where you take the Holy Spirit. Watch what you say around the Holy Spirit. Watch where you go with the Holy Spirit. Let him lead you. Let him love you, praise God. Let him work in your life. And i got to ask a question before we pray today. And I'm going to ask you, for those who want to, to, to come up and we're going to pray for you. But before I do, i got to ask you. You don't have the Holy Spirit inside you if you're not born again. If you've never made a commitment to Christ, that he would be your Lord and Savior, and you would surrender your life to him, 
that you would believe his atoning work on the cross, that the debt of, of, of sin that you had, he paid for you. And to make that life change, that we no longer live for ourselves, but now we live for him. And we become what the Bible calls born again. If you've never done that, you, you don't have that spirit inside you. You're on your own. But I offer you living water today. I offer you living water that can change your life. Oh, not make it problem-free, but give you direction and answers in those problems. I offer you living water, a new life in Jesus Christ, and all you have to do is accept it. All you have to do is decide today a decision that will affect your eternal life, that, Lord, I want that living water. Just like that lady said, give me that living water. Do you want that living water? Do you want the Christ living in you? Do you want that, that heart of God, that, that divine nature in you that changes you, changed me, changed many of us here? He offers that for you, eternal salvation, as well as a victorious life here on earth. And he has that for you through his living water, that indwelling Holy Spirit. And all you have to do is accept it. And if that's you, you're saying, Pastor Angelo, I want that living water. I want that Holy Spirit. I, I want that life in Christ. And we'll pray together. If that's you, just raise your hand. Let me know it's you. And we'll pray together. And I don't know everybody here. If that's you, just raise your hand. We'll pray together. Anybody here? Anybody here? Praise God. Then I'm going to ask you this. And this is for the bold as we close our service. This is for the bold. I'm going to have a, uh, an altar call for you to come up. And it's going to be just a start of what God's going to do. It's just a step of faith compared to what God's going to do. And I'm going to ask you this. That was my prayer these past few weeks. Lord, cleanse this house. Lord, cleanse this house, God. I'm not where I need to be, God. Cleanse this house, God, that it'll be a, a prepared dwelling place for you, Lord God. And God, let that living water flow through me, God. But God, cleanse this house right now, Lord God. Take out what needs to be taken out, Lord God. I'm not where I need to be, Lord Jesus. And I don't want to give you a dirty room in my house, God. I want a, a clean house the best I can, God. So today, God, cleanse this house, God. Take out what you've got, God. Fill me with that living water, Lord Jesus. And Lord God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let that be done today, Lord God. So if you're bold enough to respond to that, and this is what God has put in my heart these last few weeks, then I want you to get out of your seat right now and just come up front, and I'm going to pray for you. As Heather plays a song, don't wait for the first part to come. You come. If God is putting a touch in your heart, just come and say, Lord God, cleanse this house, God. Make it that prepared dwelling place for you, Lord God, and fill me with that living water. Lord, prepare our hearts to be that sanctuary, Lord God. Father, thank you, God, for your presence here today, Lord God. Thank you for your word, God. Thank you for the revelation of who you are and where you dwell, Lord God. Father, thank you that today we come before you, Lord God, as your church, as your people, Lord God. We come before you and we ask, Lord God, with the revelation of where you dwell, Lord God, we ask you to, to cleanse this house, Lord God. Cleanse our hearts, Lord God. Cleanse, God, this, this body, these hearts right now, God. Cleanse us, God, to be a, a proper habitation for, for you, Lord God. So, Father, get out what you got to get out, Lord God. We, we yield it to you. We, we give it to you with a, with a repentant heart, Lord God. We come before you and say, God, take these things, God. Take these things that would defile, God, your house. Take these things, God, that would be of sin, God. Take these things, God, that would be of doubt and unbelief, Lord Jesus. Just take these things, God. Fear, worry, God. All the lies of the devil, God. 
our past, God. Take, take it all, Lord God, and cleanse our house, God, and send that, that mighty rushing wind through our heart, Lord God, to, to cleanse our house, Lord God. And as you do, God, I thank you, God, that you fill us, God, with that river of living water, Lord Jesus, that living water, God, of your love and of your strength and who you are, that, that divine nature, God, that we are partakers of, God. We ask that you would fill us right now, Holy Spirit. Just fill us right now, Lord God, right now, Lord God, with the knowledge and strength and experience of that living water, God, that satisfies us, <clears throat> satisfies our hungry soul, Lord God, satisfies our empty heart, Lord God. God, washes away fears and angers, God, and pains and sorrows, Lord Jesus. Father, let that living water just rush through us even right now, God, that sanctifies and regenerates and refreshes us, Lord God, of knowing that we are the habitation of Christ. Lord, I ask right now by your spirit that you let us know that and experience, not just in our head, but in our heart, God, that it causes us now to, to live differently, God. Father, even as your word says, Lord Jesus, that we have been crucified with you. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. So, Father, we receive it today by faith, God. We don't go by how we feel or what we think, God. We receive it by faith, God, that you're cleansing our house. And, God, this is just a, the first step, God, the opening door, God. Continue this tomorrow, the next, God. Let it be a lifestyle to us, Lord Jesus, a lifestyle to, to maintain our, this tent clean, Lord Jesus, with your help, Lord God. So, Father, I thank you for that living word of God. That refresh, I thank you for changing us, God. I thank you that as we leave this place now, Lord God, Father, we leave different than when we first walked in, God. We leave as that dwelling place for the most high God, Lord God. We leave filled with living water that refreshes and satisfies, God. And we thank you for the good things that you are doing, God, because you are good in Jesus' name. And everybody agree with that prayer said, amen. Come on, give him praise. Say thank you, Lord God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. You can return back to seats, but know what God has done. Amen. God has touched your heart today in Jesus' name. We'll see you for, uh, at our lodge for uh, coffee and bagels. Uh, greet somebody before you go. Praise God. And let's thank God for how good he really is in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen.